Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies Babatunde, your host and resident storyteller, and welcome to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. No Straight Path is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are digging into the human stories behind success, and my hope, as always, is that you leave the conversation inspired, motivated, and excited about your journey. Hey friends, I hope you're all well. Welcome to part two of our special series on the lessons I've learned from 34 years of life. So thus far, we've covered mindset, envy, and purpose. And today we're going to discuss the final two lessons on authenticity and kindness. And I also wanted to let you know that we launched our newsletter finally. Yes. (laughs) So make sure that you sign up for that. And if you haven't already, make sure that you leave us a review. It is extremely helpful and I sincerely appreciate it. All right. I can't wait to share part two of my reflections. So let's get to it. All right. Number four, authenticity is priceless. A life that is inauthentic crushes the soul. You have to continue to return to yourself. I do want to shout out We The Urban because I believe I saw a post with a similar idea. And if you follow No Straight Path on Instagram, then you know I repost a lot of their content. But this theme has come up a number of times on the show. You might remember Tola Sumano Bulligan's story where she actually created a podcast called Return to Self. She talks about her rise to associate partner at a large consulting firm, and after she lost her mom to cancer, she overworked to avoid her grief. She got to the point where her identity and value was tied so much to her work that she lost herself, and it manifested in physical health issues. After she was able to take some time to reflect, do the inner work, and return to herself, she was able to move forward with more inner peace and be successful in her career. And I think an iteration of this story is reflective of so many ambitious millennial stories. We lose ourselves in the pursuit of success. And this loss of our authentic selves can show up in various contexts in our lives. We also see it in relationships. Many of us lose ourselves in relationships, especially when we're young. You know, in your first romantic relationship, you don't know how much compromise is necessary to make a relationship work. You hear relationships are hard. They take work. You must compromise. Many people bend, twist, and betray themselves to make the other person happy. And then they wake up one day and say, who am I? Is this even me? Do I even want to be here? They have this existential crisis or even more generally when people realize that they've been living for other people and they try to make a change. It can be really challenging. You know, you see it in the movies, on social media, and even in reality TV. And if you know me, then you know that I just love reality TV. It is a passion of mine. I no longer say it's a guilty pleasure. It is a passion. (laughs) I am no longer ashamed of it. And if you're familiar with Kyle Richards and her husband, Mauricio, this is a perfect example of this. They're this beautiful couple that everyone loves. They've been together for years. They have children. And if anyone was going to survive reality TV, it was going to be them. That was the couple. And so, so many fans, we've been rooting for them. 
And Kyle actually said something recently, you know, they're going through a separation and she said something that stuck with me. She said her whole life, she'd been living for others. She did what her mom wanted her to do. She raised her children and now she wants to do what she wants. And I think she's saying that she wants to live authentically. When you build a life, a relationship and or a career around what other people want, it can have a negative impact on your well-being. As millennials, we've had the benefit of having authenticity be part of the conversation, or at least hearing the stories. Older generations just didn't have as much choice as we do. And I talked to my mom and my aunties, and if you listen to the Mother's Day special with my aunties, they talk a little bit about this. They were focused on doing what they were told to do, get a good job, get married, and have kids. No one talked about living authentically, about self-care, about living in alignment, doing what you want to do. Well, I think my mom did this, but that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> she definitely <laughs> did what she wanted to do. Uh, actually, we'll do a whole like Linda's lessons episode one day. So yes, future episode, stay tuned for that. But anyway, my aunt, Alondra, I remember she said that she admired our generation because we're figuring out who we are and living our life accordingly. And our generation just has the benefit of learning from her generation's experiences. And I was fortunate to learn this lesson early on in my dating life in college. After college, I vowed that I would never lose myself in a relationship again. I would be myself. I would be authentic. And thankfully, I've been able to keep this promise to myself. I started to pursue a life where I felt both held and free in my relationships, romantic and platonic. And one of my favorite authors, Glennon Doyle, I just love her. She said something that stuck with me. A whole family is one in which each member can bring her full self to the table, knowing that she will always be both held and free. And that's it. That's the goal. And I'm grateful to come from a family like this and to have achieved this goal with friendships and marriage, but I struggled with it in my work life. I was my truest self in my personal life, but not my work life. And when you're an ambitious person, a lot of your life is your work life, especially in your 20s. So being inauthentic can take a toll on your mental health. It's exhausting and it can lead to burnout and you can lose yourself. So even though intellectually I knew it was important to stay true to myself, I didn't know if it was even possible to be my authentic self in my career. As a Black woman in a privileged position navigating corporate America, am I even allowed to do that? Don't I have to conform to the culture and be excellent, assimilate? There's too much at stake. I'm one of the few Black women in this position. I need to succeed, build generational wealth, and show other little girls that they can do the same. And as a millennial, I was also confused about the messaging around this because in college and law school, our Gen X and Boomer mentors had to assimilate to survive, to stay in the game. Embracing your authentic self at work wasn't a thing. They tell you how to make it in the system that wasn't built for you. So you internalize this and conform. You identity shift and code switch. It's something Black folks have been doing for a long time. In fact, the first poem I ever memorized discusses this topic. 
We Wear the Mask by Paul Lawrence Dunbar, which was published in 1895. And I was in the third grade and my dad said it was one of his favorite poems growing up. So I decided that that was going to be the poem that I read in front of my third grade class. And I'll actually just read it for you all. This is my birthday episode. So we're going to add some poetry, some black history, some more storytelling, some of my favorite things. (laughs) Okay, here goes. All right, performance Ashley in mode. We wear the mask that grins and lies. It hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. This debt we pay to human guile. With torn and bleeding hearts we smile. And mouth with myriad subtleties. Why should the world be overwise? In counting all our tears and sighs. Nay, let them only see us while we wear the mask. We smile, but O great Christ, our cries. To thee from tortured souls arise. We sing, But oh, the clay is vile, beneath our feet and long the mile. But let the world dream otherwise. We wear the mask. Okay, yes, insert applause. (laughs) I can imagine my third grade class cheering me on right now. But seriously, this message of having to wear masks in systems that weren't built for us was normalized. So when there was a shift in the culture, it was confusing. We were told to bring our authentic selves to work. But many of us didn't trust this. We heard stories about how it had backfired. But I also heard stories where it worked out. And as an optimist, I knew I had to at least try to be my authentic self in my career. And I remember there was a moment where I felt like I had to. This is actually another example of how envy shows you what you want out of life. So I was at this fancy event for lawyers and business professionals, and I remember that I met this stunning woman. She was just glowing. She was there with her husband, and he was in the legal industry, and she was an actor. She was just so fun and joyous and hilarious, and she just reminded me of my mom and parts of me that I had dimmed over the years. You could tell that she had a real love and zest for life, and she was pouring into the things that lit her up, and I thought to myself, I want to be like her. I don't want to be an actor, but I wanted her light, and I felt a bit of envy there. I thought, I've got to get my light back. I realized that I had dimmed parts of myself because of professional norms and expectations, or at least what I assumed the norms were. Corporate spaces are often hierarchical and formal, and I like to be warm and informal. I thought I had to act a certain way to be successful. While there are certain standards and cultural norms you need to understand, those things didn't actually preclude me from being myself. Sometimes we assume systems are holding us back, and understandably, we want to be cautious, but we forget that these spaces are filled with other well-intentioned humans who often want the same things out of work and life. There are more commonalities than we think, and being high energy, warm, vulnerable, and open was welcomed. My partner mentor said I had a positive and inspiring attitude, so she appointed me to a leadership position at the firm, and my warmth helped me be a great asset to the team when working on sensitive issues for my cases. It helped me connect with people on a human level. Being me was actually an asset, and it was such an important turning point in my career. I was happier, and I just felt better, like myself, at home in a place that I didn't think could ever feel like home, but it did. I just had to try. Now, I'll note that I was 
also fortunate to be in a supportive work environment that had a strong, genuine commitment to DEI. So that is very helpful. And I also want to highlight that this fight for authenticity in life is not limited to people of color, women, LGBTQIA, plus identifying folks or people with disabilities. It is applicable to everyone. It is applicable to men. Lots of men are living inauthentic lives due to societal and family expectations. We all move through this life with different backgrounds, personalities, lived experiences, and obligations. And this affects the way we see the world and how we want to move through it. We are influenced by society and cultural norms, and it can be hard to be our authentic selves. In fact, it can be extremely difficult. Some of us don't even know who that person is. Now, that's probably another podcast episode, How to Discover Your Authentic Self. (laughs) I will also add that in the queue. But I'm saying all this because I want to highlight that this work is hard, and it's hard to do in our personal and especially our professional lives but the work is worth it. Living an authentic life in alignment with who you are at your core is life-changing. So if this is something that you are struggling with in your personal life and your relationships, I'd start to take stock of the little moments that feel misaligned, where things feel forced, where your actions are not meeting your desires. Write them down. Try to change them. Be honest with yourself and those around you. Living inauthentically can have negative consequences for you and your loved ones. It may show up in resentment and it can take a toll on your mental health. And friends, we all just want to be healthy. We want you to be healthy mentally, physically. And if you're struggling with this in your career, I suggest taking small steps towards alignment. Test the waters. I suggest understanding the culture and testing the waters because every culture is different. I was fortunate to be in a supportive culture, but the data is mixed on this, and we actually talk a bit about it in an upcoming episode with workplace expert and keynote speaker, Hannah Pryor, so stay tuned for that. But the main takeaway is that there is hope. I felt more comfortable being myself after becoming more senior in my career, building relationships where there's trust is very helpful, having those conversations about showing up as yourself with mentors, having conversations with the DEI team. They are trained to help you through this journey and even working with an executive coach. There are ways to embrace authenticity in your career. In fact, in our very first episode of the podcast with my friend and mentor, Michelle O'Demagay, CEO of the Achievement Network, who I mentioned earlier, she talks about leading with authenticity. She has gotten to the point in her career where she has the privilege to be in a position of power. So she helps set the standards for culture. Let's listen to what she had to say. Authenticity is priceless. And that when you, you can take an orientation that like, as you become a leader, you need to have more of a stiff upper lip. You need to have more walls, be more closed, like, you know, more, I don't know, like hidden. And I think it's the exact opposite. Like I lean deeply into being like very present, very engaged as much as possible and very authentic. Something's hard for me. People at my ward know. Doesn't need to be a secret. I'm like, I'm really wrestling with this because every time I say that, or I've said like, I'm struggling, like I'm working on the strategy right now. And I, there's parts where I'm like, 
oh, this feels really confusing for you to do X or Y. And the emails, the G chats, the voice notes I get from team members that help untangle that really tricky knot are really helpful, right? And like inviting people to be a part of leadership, that's probably one of the biggest things and that you can only do that if you're authentic. And I think people do things like listening tours and then go do what they want to do. Or they do things where they're like, here's who I am, but they don't talk about the downsides of who they are. I just try to do that. And I think understanding that being a very authentic leader also means that I also have to be an adaptive one because I want to make sure I'm continually signaling to people, this is fully who I am. And to be successful here, you don't have to be me, right? Like sometimes you can have leaders who are fully themselves, but they kind of set the tone and this is what I expect good looks like. I'm like, I'm fully myself and whoever you are, that works too. Like we're going to figure it out together and it's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. I'm going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes and that's okay. So I love this. I love Michelle. And she is a perfect example of how we can embrace authenticity in the workplace. And more recently, I've been thinking about how staying true to my authentic self shows up in the podcast business. Because I failed to apply the authenticity lesson I learned in relationships to my career, I wanted to make sure I held on to it with the podcast business. Les Alfred, founder of Balanced Black Girl, touched on this in our interview that came out this fall, and she talked about showing up more authentically in her work. Something that I'm leaning into now, because I did reach this point, particularly from kind of 2020 through about the midpoint of 2022, where I was not taking any risks in my content. And I personally wasn't really showing up. And it was because that was the point where I really started growing. And I started feeling really afraid of what happens if I reveal more of myself and these people don't like it. And Mm. Sometimes, especially when we're creating content, we get so focused on growth, which is great, but having an audience in and of itself can be really scary at times. You don't want to let people down. You feel like you need to kind of put on this LinkedIn voice all the time to make sure that you don't offend anybody and everything resonates. And so what I've really been leaning into this year is how can I put a little bit more of myself into what I'm doing? How can I relax that grip and give myself permission to show up imperfectly and who it resonates with resonates and who it doesn't resonate with, you know, then it doesn't. And that's okay. And kind of looking to overcome some of that fear has really helped me tap back into my creativity. So I thought this was so insightful. Her intention to show up more authentically in her work unleashed more creativity And I just think that's so beautiful. Our authentic selves are our best selves. It helps you operate from a place of excitement and purpose and inspiration. And this reflective exercise has helped me further connect the dots in my own journey. In the year anniversary episode, I made this impassioned speech about how industry standards can affect our self-worth and how we show up in the world and how it's important to remain fully human. And I think part of this passion was about authenticity. In the podcast industry, a focus on downloads and influence is endemic in the culture. And I get it. It's how you make money. You need these things for your podcast business to survive. 
But when I think about my authentic self and what I value, it's the content. It's telling inspiring stories. It's connecting to my purpose of helping others feel seen, valued, heard, understood, and less alone. It's connecting with my community. And I just didn't want to lose sight of this because I had done so in the past and it was soul crushing. Losing yourself and showing up inauthentically is painful. And so I'm going to protect it. I don't always get it right, but I've made a commitment to continue to return to my desires, return to the things that feel right, return to my gut. And authenticity is one of the greatest gifts that we can give ourselves. As my friend Michelle said, it is priceless. All right, number five, set kindness goals. All the lessons mentioned thus far are more about the inner work, self-development, which is very important. And when we strive to become better versions of ourselves, then that has a positive impact on our community. But I also think it's important to be intentional about serving our community. I have three to-do lists, a career one, personal one, and I added a kindness one. I think most of us try to be good people. We try to serve others. We try to be kind. But life is stressful, and we don't always prioritize this. Science-based research shows that performing acts of kindness is good for your well-being. I think my dad, and really all of my uncles, are a great example of this. They are so kind and friendly to strangers. They're kind and friendly to people they know, too, to their family. (laughs) But I think they got this from my grandpa, Grandpa Edgar. So he is the teacher who built his life around service. And my dad is always doing small acts of kindness. It's just become part of who he is. I remember we stopped by a donut shop after we'd gone shopping, and my dad asked me if I wanted a donut. And I said, no, I'm good. Thank you. And this young woman behind me jokingly said, I'll take it. It looked like she was maybe in her 20s on her lunch break. She was in her uniform. And I turned around, and without even asking my dad, I said, sure, my dad will buy you a donut. And then he said, of course, what do you want? And the woman was pleasantly surprised. She took her donut. We actually all chatted for a bit. And then she went back to work. And that moment brought us all a lot of joy. Or I'll give you another example. I received a heartfelt email from a stranger about a year ago. He said that he met my dad outside of the courthouse And my dad just went up to him and asked him if he was a lawyer. Guess he was wearing a suit around a court. So my dad was curious. And the man said yes, that he was an attorney. And my dad proceeded to tell this man my entire life story, like he does all the time. And the lawyer, he emailed me my work email. And he just wished me luck on my career. And he just said that my dad brought him so much joy. He said, no one goes up to people in downtown LA with such warmth and openness. And it was just really beautifully written. I wish I could find the exact email, but I remember that it brought me to tears. It really captured the essence of my dad. And those little moments of kindness go a long way. Everyone is dealing with something. So you never know how just a small kind act can really impact someone else. And the way you serve and perform acts of kindness should suit your personality and help maximize your joy too. Listen, I am not striking up conversations with a whole bunch of folks in downtown LA, you know, listen, gotta be safe, (laughs) 
but I do check in on my friends. I do community service when I can, and I try to be intentional about helping others in environments that do feel safe. So one example is the airport. When you're present and paying attention to your surroundings, you'll notice when people need help, and then you can help them. Y'all, it's so amazing. People are so happy. I remember seeing a woman with her partner trying to find a place to sit with her two toddlers. And I was sitting at a table that seated about four people. So I went up to her and asked her if she wanted my table. I just found a smaller table and she was so grateful. And I could see the relief in her eyes. Her toddlers were getting restless. I know we can't always catch these moments, and I'll admit that I'm often plugged into my laptop working, so I've probably missed many opportunities to help others, but as I've gotten older, I aim to be present and help when I can. We all want to connect. We all want to be seen, so we have to do the work of helping others feel seen. And one simple way to do this is to be kind. So as you navigate your journey, I hope that you are kind to others. I hope that you are kind to yourself because we all deserve it. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share the podcast with friends and family. And my hope is that these stories help you navigate your No Straight Path journey. If this content is adding value to your life, and I hope it is, please take a few minutes out of your day to rate the show and write a review. You can click the link in the show notes to write a review. It helps other listeners find the show, and I just really appreciate it. Have a lovely week, embrace the journey, and remember, you're not alone.